Another thing that's really difficult that I'm finding out here in the rural communities are a lack of certain resources. Housing is almost impossible to find here in Jim County. Being able to get somebody to a point where they've got that little bit of silver time in them and they are seeing that the good that is coming, you know, it just pushes you to keep doing better and better. There's nothing anyone can ever say to me or tell me that I haven't already told myself. And I know that feeling. You are in that spot and you can't stop using and you don't have any support and doctors are mad at you, your family's mad at you, and you want so badly for you not to harm that child that's inside of your stomach. Hey everybody, this is Jen and Brad from Cornerstone Whole Healthcare Organization, and you're listening to the Life Support Podcast, the show that covers everything healthcare, from behavioral health to substance use recovery and much more. Today we're talking about peer recovery coaching with Samantha Tackett, who is a peer support specialist at Emmett Family Services, serving a rural population north of Boise. We'll discuss everything there is to know about peer recovery coaching and peer support in Idaho. Thank you for joining us, and let's just jump into our conversation. Right. So here at Life Support, we like to start with introductions. So name, pronoun, where you live, what you do for fun, and what do you do for work? So my name is Samantha Tackett, and pronouns are she, her. I live in Boise, Idaho. And some things I like doing for fun, uh, spending time with my teenage daughter. And anything horses, I like riding horses, showing, competing, horse racing, and I work for Emmett Family Services as a peer recovery coach, peer support specialist, and I also drive Uber on the side. So wonderful to have you on with us, Samantha. We just love to learn a little bit about how did you learn about peer recovery coaching and what has that process been like so far for you as a coach? So I'll kind of go back through uh, like a quick rundown of my life story. I started using drugs at a young age. Uh, the addiction kind of just took me in a really bad spot in my life and couldn't really get out of it. Didn't have a whole lot of resources available to me that I knew of to be able to stop and ultimately ended up in federal prison for seven years. Left my daughter when she was three years old um, and went to prison. When I got out, I had been taking some classes while I was in prison trying to like better myself. When I got out, I went to a halfway house and my drug counselor she is also a peer support specialist and peer recovery coach. So she encouraged me to start taking college classes. And she's also an instructor at the college that I go to. And so uh, I started taking classes with her and got my peer recovery coach, peer support specialist licenses, and have continued my education and still continuing my education now. And then she was able to place me where I'm at here at my family services. First of all, congratulations on recovery, and I know that's a hard thing to do and go through. And thank you for sharing your story. I know that not a lot of people like to do that or can be uncomfortable, but it is something that can help others um, to know that there are other journeys to go out down, other pathways. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing. I guess my question would be, what's the biggest challenges you face as a peer recovery coach? I feel like... Getting peers engaged, I know for myself, uh, it was like, you know, treatment's scary. Like, are you ready to stop? Like, what stage of change are you in? So kind of helping them uh, figure out what stage change they're in, getting them engaged in 
wanting to change, you know, and that can be challenging at times for sure. Um, another thing that's really difficult that I'm finding out here in the rural communities are a lack of certain resources. Housing is almost impossible to find here in Jim County, and it becomes very frustrating because, you know, these people would like to change their lives around, but the opportunities are not always available to them. And that's definitely a challenge. Um, and then a huge one for me as a peer support specialist is boundaries, keeping boundaries, you know, like you're building connections with people, but you're also trying to keep professional and not friendships. And it's kind of in our nature to go ahead and, you know, like be oh, you know, let me help you out. We're friends, you know, so that's been really challenging keeping up with your ethics and um, ethical dilemmas is definitely another challenge. Peer support, being new to Idaho, the training is sometimes, you know, a little bit limited. I've been getting some great resources for training. And so I've been able to attend a lot of trainings and it's been really great learning and uh, being networking with other peer supports, other people in um, the recovery community and different treatments has been helpful too. Biggest thing too is self-care. It's emotionally hard to watch people go be in pain and go through things that I remember going through. And so I know that it's very important for me to put my sobriety first in order to be able to, you know, help people walk through their journey and recovery. So well, that makes sense. I guess to put it not so only on the like the cons, what about the pros? Like what brings you satisfaction in your work? Um, so definitely seeing people change their lives around and all the blessings that come to their lives when they get sober. Like I know I can always sit back and look at my life and I'm like, man, this happens good. This happens good. And it just keeps coming, you know. And so being able to get somebody to a point where they've got that little bit of sober time in them and they are seeing that the good that is coming, you know, and it just pushes you to keep doing better and better. So that's a wonderful, amazing thing to see. And I've been able to hear where I'm working. I've been able to start with someone who's like at the very beginning of their drug use and they're getting off of drugs and they're getting in recovery. And I've been able to see the changes in their lives. And it is like, it's so rewarding and it's like a spiritual paycheck. You know, it's really wonderful. The connections with people are awesome. Like, you know, uh, being able to connect them with other like recovery centers, being able to help them find people in recovery to connect with is super cool. You know, sitting with others and their, you know, journey is also helps me in my own sobriety. You know, it helps remind me of, you know, like where I was, you know, and also, you know, how I want to continue moving forward, giving them the tools that they need and not judging them. Um, I know what it feels like to be in, you know, the stigma around, you know, mental health and drug use and being able to help them be treated the way they should be able to be treated and advocate for them is really great. Working with probation and parole, never thought that I would be on this side where I'm actually advocating for people who are, you know, in recovery. And that's really wonderful. I think the main thing, too, is like linking. I'm the person who links these people to all of the different resources and different connections. And I think that's a really wonderful feeling to be able to do that for people. Thank you so much for sharing that. And like the meaning, the purpose behind what you do is very evident as you talk about it. You know, and you did share a little bit about some of those community organizations that you kind of partner with. Maybe you can 
talk to us a little bit about how that happens. Like, you know, how do you establish those relationships and like linking with those resources, like what that brings to the individuals in recovery that you work with? Um, working here in my family services uh, has given me an opportunity to work with Sihu and they've linked us with some grants that uh, have been available and link us with the hospitals, doctor's offices, um, jails, prisons. When somebody's coming or presenting in the emergency room, going there and being there with them and not letting them fall through the cracks, getting them right into peer support so they're not going home like, oh man, I can't do this. And, you know, continuing. And it's been very success- successful in like bringing people to where they're not presenting in the emergency room every week because you know, we've been able to help them and it's been really great. And then also, uh, of course, I've mentioned working with probation and parole, being able to get people, you know, when they're coming straight out of prison, straight out of jail, you know, sometimes they don't have any resources. We're there to, you know, help them before they go back out to where they were and what got them in there in the first place. Thank you so much, Sam. Like, I really love how, like, that connection piece is so central to what you do not only being that recovery coach, but almost kind of like a, a navigator, a support, helping people understand like what is available. And you also kind of brought up one of the connections uh, back to Cornerstone and some of the work that we've been doing there. So we are starting, you know, that new kind of initiative, working with pregnant women with SUD. Maybe you can just talk to us a little bit about how you plan to incorporate your skills specifically with those individuals. Yeah, so this is a really exciting opportunity for me. Um, with my own lived experience, I unfortunately was pregnant and I was using drugs while I was pregnant and I lost custody of my child permanently. She was adopted to my mother so because of that use. And I know what it's like. You know, I've been there before and I have been doing a little bit of training on it. Um, and one thing that I watched in a training the other day that just really like hit home for me was like, this lady was like, there's nothing anyone can ever say to me or tell me that I haven't already told myself. And I know that feeling you are in that spot and you can't stop using and you don't have any support and doctors are mad at you. Your family's mad at you. And you want so badly for you not to harm that child that's inside of your stomach. But you know, you don't maybe have the resources to help, you know, get you clean and sober. And so super excited about that. I think that um, I would be a great benefit to be able to just sit with somebody and be like, you know, hey, I know this is what you're probably feeling. I've been there before. What can we do? You know, these are some things that maybe helped me get my life together. But if not, just sit with them where they're at and, you know, let them know that, you know, I'm not there to judge them. And also advocate for them as well, because it's frustrating. And I understand for people who haven't been there, you know, they don't understand, they don't get it, you know. And so I think that's going to be super helpful, too. I think that's the amazing part about this is that there's always something to be said about when you've been through it as well. And you're like helping the same person that's been in a similar situation. There's just so much credibility and authenticity that goes behind that, that you get better outcome in that way, right? So that's amazing that you can support these women in this case for this project. I guess one of my questions would be, if there was one or two things or even three things that you wish people would know more about either recovery coaching or recovery in general or even addiction. 
what would that be? I wish that people would know to, like, if, if you see a loved one and something's not right, reaching out, maybe not enabling or rescuing them, you know, um, I think that's, I know from my own personal experience, you know, I always had my family there to rescue me from everything. And when I got to the point where I was at, there was no rescuing me. And then I was like, oh, man. It's hitting the bottom. Is that what you were saying? Like, once you hit that bottom and nobody was there to have that safety net, that was what helped you forward, right? Yeah. Right. Yes. And I never was, like, recommended to go into treatment. Like, I mean, everybody just enabled me. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, not. Like, you know, I think it's important to, you know, have show tough love. And, you know, get people in to help when before it's, you know, and you end up dead or in an institution, which is always going to be the end result. Yeah. I think having um, the tough conversations with, you know, family and loved ones, this is something I'm, you know, that you're struggling with. Let's get you some help. And of course, one go back to reducing the stigma, you know, like, um, it makes you not want to go in and get help when you feel like everybody's looking down at you. And I think that's changing so much. Um, I, as I said before, I drive Uber. So I spend a lot of time talking to doctors and lawyers and police officers because they're in my car first, you know. And so when I'm able to like, you know, discuss my story with them, it's surprising how like almost everybody's touched with some kind of mental health or addiction and like maybe not them directly, but somebody that they know and, you know, I'm excited that the world is starting to see that, you know, and so um, making changes to the stigma that there is, you know, for uh, substance use disorders and mental health is something that I wish people would know about, you know, addiction. Yeah, that's definitely, um, it, I think we are definitely moving in the right direction with addiction and the stigma around it. It's not the bad in the person that they're making this decision. It's just like a disease, right? So I think that's getting much better that it's not like, you know, you don't have the same stigma with diabetes, right? Like some people are born with diabetes. Some people are born with addiction. They just don't know it until certain things trigger it, right? Um, my other question that I had that um, we thought of was, what's your biggest barriers to recovery? Or what are the biggest barriers, not your um, barriers, but in general for anyone that's going through recovery? Uh, so I would say like education knowledge about what things are available, what resources are available to people, you know, who are going into recovery, limitations of rural areas and their resources, definitely a barrier. And then a huge one that I have um, great interest in also is, um, you know, coming out of prison and jails. Like usually drug use will lead to incarceration of some sort at some point in time. And so you're in there, you do your time, your punishment, you get out and you, only thing you know, a lot of people, the only thing they know, that's what they've done all their lives. They'd have no other, you know, opportunities. And so they get out and go back to the same thing that they know. And then they're back in and they're being punished for it again. And it's just like a vicious cycle that never ends. And so I think that that is definitely, there's a lot of work that could be done with that. I see the difference in the state prison versus the federal prison because I was in federal and so I see the success rate when you get out like you know it's there's certain things that are done that you know make it make it be 
a totally different scenario when they get out, you know? I think those are really great points and kind of hitting that nail on the head with those barriers to recovery. Maybe as a follow-up question, where do you see recovery coaching expanding in the future? So I think the sky is the limit with recovery coaching. I mean, I think, first of all, it could be used for medic in medical places. It could be at the veterans associate, you know, the substance use, mental health, um, <clears throat> jails, prisons, you know, halfway houses. I mean, pretty much anything that you could use your lived experience, you know, that makes a huge difference in, you know, knowing and understanding these people and be, having been in the same spot that they're in, you know, because I know had somebody that maybe hadn't ever experienced what I went through come to me and tell me, oh, you need to get sober or, oh, you need like, okay, but you don't know what it's like. And then being able to use the tools that, that I've used, you know, personally to get myself sober when I start feeling triggered, when I start, you know, having a bad day, what kinds of things can I share with them that pull me out of that? Even like the grants, you know, and I know funding is always an issue and somebody being willing to help put the grant together and help put these possibilities together. And then we all just work together as a team and it's going to be a great, great future. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. More grants that help, um, you know, SUD population, that would be, that helps us do this type of work, right? Where we can get the type of support that is needed to that. And again, this is why we we wanted to um, put this as one of the topics on life support because to get the message out, right? So thank you so much, um, Sam, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. <laughs> that wraps another great episode of Life Support. Thanks again to Samantha for speaking with us today. And thank you for listening. If you want to help us spread this important information to more people, Please like, comment, and share this video or podcast, however you're watching or listening to us. And if you don't want to miss out on any more episodes like this, please remember to subscribe. You can leave comments with any ideas or future topics or something that you'd like to learn more about. Until then, remember to help each other with a little life support. Life Support is a podcast brought to you by Cornerstone Whole Health Organization with funding from a variety of grants and sponsors. This episode was hosted by Jen Clark and Brad Reed with Anthony Leong as producer and editor. See the show notes for more details.